And just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Welcome to the Success Story Podcast, the most useful podcast in the world. I'm your host, Scott, and today we're going to be breaking down how Snowflake became the largest IPO in software company history. I'm going to walk you through the sales and marketing strategy that took them to a $70 billion evaluation. I hope you enjoy. Okay, so let's talk about Snowflake and why I'm even doing this piece. Um, so when I first was looking into some case studies, I like I like putting together case and marketing studies from a nerd like that. Uh, I saw that there was a lot of interest on Snowflake. And when you go on YouTube, you see some people talking about Snowflake. But most of the discussions about Snowflake are investors wondering why the hell they grew so much and how they grew so quickly. So I thought, you know what? Hell, I'm from a sales and marketing background. Let's try and do a little bit of a deep dive and, and break it down. And there's a, there is some information out there but I want to I want to disseminate it to you and walk you through why it was so effective, why their strategy was so effective. And also, when you start to look at their strategy for selling and marketing to major customers, it's actually not that surprising why they grew the way they did. Um, but let's get right into it. Now, if you don't know what Snowflake is, you may be wondering, well, isn't it just another software company, another Silicon Valley story? Well, it is the largest IPO in software company history. That's one thing. But also, to give you an idea of, of how impressive this IPO was, you know Warren Buffett. You know Berkshire Hathaway. So they have not invested in an IPO in 50 years, but they invested in Snowflake. This is a big deal. This is this is historic IPO. So let's walk through uh, the let's walk through Snowflake. What do they do? So Snowflake is a data a cloud data warehouse provider. So they provide server services to companies. So companies, big companies, they need a lot of server space. They don't have it all on site, um, or they don't have you know the expertise to have that level of server space on site. That's why Amazon is such a huge company because lots of companies use Amazon for server space and cloud space and whatnot. Um, but Snowflake offers these services to customers. Now, what Snowflake offers is not uh, brand new. To give you an idea of the people that they're competing against, Oracle's in this space, IBM's in this space, like there are big companies in this space. So Snowflake, their proprietary IP, their secret sauce, if you want to call it that, is the fact that when they provide cloud data warehouse services for customers, they allow customers to make massive amounts amounts of requests, data retrieval requests simultaneously. So when a company is using a cloud provider, they have applications. Every company uses applications, you know, whatnot. They have to pull customer data and that's not stored literally in the building where the company is located. So it's stored, for example, at a, an area or a in data center that Snowflake controls. So when a customer, when a, when a company needs to pull a lot of data, they put, they request data, applications request data. And sometimes you can have 
have hundreds of thousands or millions of requests at the same time. And not every cloud data warehouse provider will be equipped or capable to service this many data requests simultaneously. So uh, sometimes if you go with a smaller provider, your request may be throttled or if you're too big a company, it just won't work for you. So that's that's sort of the, the differentiator for Snowflake. So they do they really do have a great product. But besides the product, there's obviously other reasons why companies grow. Um, and there's basically four reasons why Snowflake grew at the rate that it grew and why it had such a successful IPO. One of them being the sales and marketing strategy. The second being the fact that they did perfect uh, the cloud data warehouse product that they offer their customers. Um, the third being that they completely revamped the pricing structure. So if you are in the enterprise business to business software space, B2B space, a lot of the pricing structure is license or seat based. Meaning if you have one employee that uses my software, I'm going to sell you one license. If you have two employees, I'm going to sell you two licenses or seats, whatever you want to call them. But Snowflake did a little bit different. What Snowflake did is they set their pricing up so that it was based on utilization. So it makes sense, but it's actually not the status quo. It's not, it's not what a lot of companies do. So if I'm using Snowflake, if I need more server space, I'm paying for more. If I need less server space, I'm paying for less. You know who else uh, does this? Amazon does this as well. But many software companies do not sell their services like this. They sell on a per license or per seat basis. So Snowflake did a utilization cost structure, which of course was very favorable for customers. And then lastly, uh, they did do some strategic management changes pre-IPO. So they got rid of a well-respected CEO that had done very well with the company. And they brought in Frank Slootman, who has a record of IPOs under his belt. He is known as he is known as a CEO who's only brought in to IPO at high evaluations. He has an incredible track record. So that was also something they did very purposefully for the IPO. But of course, let's discuss why I'm not breaking down three of the four items that really led to Snowflake's success. So I'm not going to break down the fact that they built an amazing cloud product because there's a good chance you're not building an amazing cloud product. And if you are, good luck. You're up against Snowflake, Oracle, and IBM. But I'm speaking and I'm, I'm putting together this video for a lot of people who want to learn sales and marketing strategy who aren't building the next iteration of the cloud product that's going to compete with Snowflake. Also, the, utiliza the utilization model, the pricing model for their software. Well, for a lot of people watching, they may not actually be in a software company. So obviously that doesn't matter and it's not useful for them. But also if you are in a software company and you do have a pricing structure or pricing model that is not in line with that, I'm not going to recommend or give you any advice on how to change your pricing structure because I can be damn sure your CEO is not going to be too happy when you told him or her that you found out from Scott that you should change the entire way your company prices its product because that is super disruptive and it's probably not going to jive too well. But if you have, for example, an innovative sales or marketing strategy that I'm going to walk through, that's something you could implement tomorrow. And then lastly, why am I not talking about Frank? Well, you probably don't know Frank Slootman and you probably can't afford him. So that's kind of a mute point and it's probably not going to have a big impact on your company. So let's talk about sales and marketing. So what do they do? What do they do that was so innovative. Well, nothing was innovative in what they did actually. What they focused on was sales and marketing alignment. Why does that matter? Why does nobody get it? Well, in most companies, let me paint you a picture. In most companies, there is no sales and marketing alignment. Companies have marketing teams and sales teams and marketing sends out collateral to customers. They uh, put stuff up on the website. They put, they put stuff up on social media and they do not communicate with the sales team. They do not tell the sales team what they're putting on social media. They don't talk to the sales team about what they're putting on the website. So when the sales rep goes and calls somebody, emails somebody, they have no idea what their marketing team's actually focused on. So the conversation the sales team member, the salesperson is having 
with the customer is completely different from what the marketing side of the business is focusing on. This is, this is obviously broken, but this is how most companies function. So when a customer, when I'm the customer, I'm looking at a company's social media, I'm, I'm learning about their product, I jump on the phone with a sales rep, and they're pitching me something completely different than what I was reading about online, a different feature, a different product, a different use case, whatever it may be, that's not a great feeling for a customer. But that's how most companies operate. Normally, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing, and left hand, right hand, doesn't know what they're doing, and vice versa. So at its core, Snowflake focused on sales and marketing alignment, getting those two revenue-generating business units to talk to one another. Now, how did they do that? Well, they focused on ABM, or account-based marketing. What is account-based marketing? Well, account-based marketing, um, again, at its core, is focused on sales and marketing alignment, but also it goes a step further. So account-based marketing, what it means is you are understanding which accounts you want to sell and market to. You're building those profiles, and then your sales and marketing strategy is focused on selling to a specific profile of customer. This is called an ideal customer profile or target customer profile. So you build this customer profile. Now, what Snowflake did differently than most other companies is they didn't just model their customer profile off what everybody else in the industry was doing. So what many people will do when they're building out an ABM strategy and they want to figure out what their customer profile is, they'll say, well, listen, let's take this example. So say I'm Snowflake and I want to take a product to market. I know that Oracle is selling the same product or similar product. I know that IBM is selling a similar product. So I'm going to say, well, why don't we just go after the same customers that IBM and Oracle are going after? Kind of makes sense, right? But pause for a second. What if there's a chance that IBM and Oracle have not perfected their customer profile? What if it's not absolutely perfect? Well, that's basically what Snowflake said. Not so many words, but they said, we don't want to just go with the, the ideal customer profile of the category. We want to create our own and we want to back it up with data and we want to know with 100% certainty that it is absolutely correct. So what did they do? They built out their own customer profile and that's a core tenant of ABM, having a customer profile. How did they build out their customer profile, their ideal customer profile that was specific to their product and their customers? They took their 50 biggest deals and they took the 50 deals that closed the fastest and they put that into a tool. They actually used a tool called EverString, which is a business analytics and information tool and that used machine learning to generate the perfect customer profile based on those imps. So how, how, which customers close the fastest and which customers are the biggest deals, that's what we want to target. And that's what EverString did for them. So now they had their customer profile and now they can use that for their marketing team and, and their sales team. But they took it a step further and they didn't just let this customer profile be static. They constantly tested this model. So when they closed 50 new customers based on that customer profile, they brought them in to this tool. They modeled out a new ideal customer profile. So they kept getting more granular. They kept getting more specific and, and more exact about what that customer profile was. So now they have this constant iterating process of, of developing this customer profile, of refining this customer profile. And now that's what marketing and sales runs with. So marketing is marketing to this customer profile. Sales knows exactly what marketing is doing because they're, they're working off the same customer profile and they're communicating. And it's this is how you do proper ABM, account-based marketing. Now, one more thing they did was they did a specific one-to-few, one-to-many sales outreach strategy. What does this mean? Okay, so when when Snowflake was first starting out, they had roughly 30 sales reps. They assigned 100 customers, and these are enterprise customers, so they're like huge, huge companies is a customer, to each of these sales reps. What the sales reps did is they split their outreach. So they did one-to-few, one-to-many. The one-to-many is automated. So they took 90 of the 100 customers, and they were sending automated outreach to employees 
employees within these 90 customers or companies they were targeting. Then the one to few. The one to few was personalized outreach to the top 10 customers that they wanted to personalize outreach to every employee of every company that they were reaching out to. So because these were enterprise companies, they were probably reaching out to 10 to 20 to 30 different employees within each one of those 100 customers. So when I say customers, not just one person that they're actually communicating with, they would reach out to multiple people within each one of those customers. But 10 of those customers, it was all personalized. And by the way, the act of reaching out to multiple people within a company to try and close a deal, that's called multi-threading. It is a very good strategy for enterprise, large deals when you're trying to close a deal. Not going to get too much into that right now. Topic for another day, but look it up. And if you are in the enterprise space, you should try multi-threading. So now we have this one to few where they're doing personalized outreach to 10 customers and one to many where they're doing automated. What this allows them to do is to personalize to the customers that they really, really, really want to close. But then they also have automated so that they can have some scale because of course you cannot personalize everything to everyone all the time. So you have a nice healthy mix of both personalized and automated. And that obviously did quite well for them because they kept bringing in more customers. They kept refining their customer profile and, you know, rinse and repeat, uh, rinse and repeat, excuse me, so on and so forth. And this was the core of their product. This was the core of their strategy. This is how they brought in customers that were the right size. They brought them in quickly. And another piece they focused on was retention. So part of this entire model was focused on retaining customers. Um, it's not part of the initial, it's not part of the initial, uh, for example, customer outreach. But when you model your customer profile, you want to make sure that the customers that you're bringing in are customers that are going to stay with you for a long time. So that's also why they focused on getting that model right at the onset so that when they brought in customers, those customers wouldn't churn, the customers wouldn't leave. Um, actually, I wanted to walk through the exact, because I was when I was doing research for this video, I actually found the exact tech stack that Snowflake used. So this tech stack was put together, uh, shout out to Douglas Carr uh, from Martech, uh, martech.zone. So Douglas was at some sort of, uh, it was some sort of event and he was listening to a director from Snowflake break down their tech stack. So the tech stack, this is the sales tech stack, by the way, or the, the account-based marketing and sales tech stack. So they broke their ABM process into four pieces. They broke it into target, reach, engage, and measure. So for the target stage, they used EverString and Bombora. Uh, they, they basically were discovering businesses that match their best clients that have displayed an intent to purchase a product. Number two, for reach, they were utilizing Terminus, Sigster, and LinkedIn. Uh, Snowflake uh, was assembling personalized content experiences that touch prospective buyers before they may even be aware of their solution. Uh, the keynote was stating that one customer had been, had seen Snowflake software 450 times across social or on web before they had submitted a request for a demo. Uh, the third, third step is engaged. They utilized Uberflip. Uh, so Snowflake has content experiences that are owned by the sales account manager, but produced by the ABM team to provide highly targeted content to drive the buyer into the customer journey. So again, in, in layman's terms, basically the 
content is is being signed off on by the sales team but is being actioned by the marketing team so the sales team is saying this is the content that i need to sell the marketing team is actioning it and the the two are communicating back and forth so that there's there's congruence across these two departments then lastly uh the last step is measure utilizing engageo tableau and looker uh, snowflake developed a proprietary means of scoring the leads providing sales intelligence needed to the sales account managers to assist them in closing the deals and then again once that deal was closed they're bringing that into their initial ideal customer profile model. What were the results? Well, this, besides a $70 billion IPO, uh, click-through rates increased 149x on ABM ads, and half of all the content that Snowflake produces was seen by customers, by customers and ABM-targeted organizations. That's an insane metric. That that ratio is incredibly, is incredibly good. So half of the content they ever put out is being seen by exactly who they want. Uh, they want uh, that person to see the content. So basically, the story of Snowflake is they focused on alignment across marketing and sales. They threw out any preconceived notions and used and trusted data to provide that model. And then they just, they adopted traditional outbound to allow their sales team to scale, but they made sure when they were doing that outbound, they were still communicating with their marketing team. Anyways, this obviously is all the right pieces of what a modern day sales and marketing process should look like executed properly. You'll hear a lot of people speak about different components that I mentioned today, but a lot of people do not execute it religiously, properly, strictly. So you have to trust the process. You have to trust the data. And that's exactly what Snowflake did. And that's why they were so successful. Anyways, if you like this case study and this rundown of Snowflake's process, hit that like button, hit subscribe, and leave some comments below. Let me know who else you want me to analyze and break down their sales and marketing process. Have a great day. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it. Each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works. One data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash Clary. That's netsuite.com slash Clary. Hiring as a small business owner is a major pain. That's why LinkedIn is supporting today's episode. You need people with the right skills and experience, but finding them can take forever. It is incredibly frustrating to keep seeing candidates who just aren't a good fit, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has been a game changer. Let me tell you a little story. We needed to hire a graphic designer, somebody with specific tech and software knowledge and the ability to truly understand our brand. And I started with all the usual job boards, and it's the same old story. 
tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching my needs. I tried LinkedIn jobs and the quality of candidates was just on another level. People with impressive portfolios, relevant expertise. I finally felt like I was interviewing the right people. That's truly the power of LinkedIn's massive professional network. You're tapping into this huge pool of talent you simply wouldn't find on other sites. It's about finding those niche candidates you actually need. And with the right people in front of you, hiring becomes a breeze. Did you know that 86% of small businesses find a quality qualified candidate on LinkedIn jobs within 24 hours. That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash excellence. That's linkedin.com slash excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. 
Today's episode is sponsored by Belay. And what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch US-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. 